What's up, guys? Corey here with another episode of E4 Explicit Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything, um, have an array of guests. And today we have my man, Mr. Mike Gold. He is the owner um, and the mayor, more importantly, of Houndstown, USA. And New York is where the headquarters is, is where we're at right now. So you might hear some dogs barking in the background, possibly, because uh, we're at a doggy daycare. But it is what it is, um, and we got them pretty quiet because they're outside now. Um, so, Mike, yes, thank sir. You, thank you for uh, Corey. For being on it's the show. always a pleasure. You're a cool guy. Got a lot of spirit, energy. Love it. So, yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Of course, man. Um, so, give me a little bit experience or uh, explanation of what you do, what your experience is. Now, I know you uh, you you were a cop for like thirty years, right? Long time, yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. So, just give me a nutshell explanation i guess nutshell of, explanation yeah of like your your career what you've done and like how you landed at houndstown usa right. training dogs so kind of real quick i quit school when i was 16 i dropped out of high school joined the navy when i was 17 spent two years on an aircraft carrier my first job in law enforcement my first legitimate job was as a new york state corrections officer i worked in a maximum security state prison for about two years then i became an NYPD, New York City police officer, and I was one of the founding members of their canine unit back in 1982. Wow. And then the rest is just more and more and more of that. Wow. Okay, so you, you co-founded NYPD canine unit. Yeah, I was recruited to, they had a pilot program. NYPD, ironically, didn't have a canine unit in, until the early 80s. So they wanted to introduce a program and I was part of that pilot program, and now it is now what the NYPD. There was the foundation of what the NYPD Canine Unit is today. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. You would think NYPD; they've been around for yeah. God knows how long. Right. They would have all their shit together. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know it was political at the time, so you know at, there's a lot of politics involved in everything, sure. particularly in law enforcement. So yeah, so they tried it out, and uh, it's been successful. And I've been doing that forever. I later went on to a Nassau County Police Department. I was their commanding officer, yada yada yada. So my life is about since that time. My life has been surround dogs 365 days a year including christmas holidays dogs are in my life and in my world awesome so you also um you know when when 911 happened you were obviously you, you were an NYPD cop at that point right actually Nassau, I was a lieutenant in the Nassau County Police Department but I had a private explosive to dog company called Canine Consultants International mm. Prior to 9-11, there really wasn't much need for bomb dogs. If you really think about it, you're a little younger than, uh, you know, in 1990 and 2000, there wasn't a lot of need. People weren't calling up and saying, hey, can you search my garage for sure. bombs? So, uh, unfortunately, the events of 9-11 brought rise and awareness to explosive dogs. So now you see them at airports all over. But yeah, at the time, over. it wasn't. So, yeah, I was one of the first companies that had explosive dogs that could go out and search uh, all the perimeter buildings at, at ground zero in downtown oh, Manhattan. Yeah. So like, okay, so take me back in that experience. Like when you're walking, were you walking in ground zero, like yeah. walking around? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was Holy a very shit. surreal, eerie time. Again, everybody has a different recollection of what that was like, but I mean, at the time, uh, you know, it was it, it was surreal. It was like so if you can think of the World Trade Centers as fingers on your hand and then you drive into the city and just see a dark cloud of soot and the fingers aren't there. It's hard to imagine. So if you look at uh, your hand and you don't see two fingers on it, it'll take you a while to process that. So it was a very surreal, obviously shocking experience for the whole world not just new york not just our country for the whole world nobody knew what the fuck was going on you told me you unleashed me so to speak so i can use the f word and i like it i love it i'm going to try to censor that but you should have let the cat out of the bag so to speak so yeah no it was a very surreal it it, it, it evoked every emotion you could possibly have gratitude sadness i mean there was a lot of things happening there that is really unimaginable and, you know, I kind of equate it to like Pearl Harbor. Now the n newer generations don't even, I, I, you know, if you're, they don't even realize the magnitude of what happened that day. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So, yeah, we were there searching buildings for bombs and searching because no, really nobody knew. Nobody had a plan. The military didn't have a plan. Nobody knew what was happening. The Pentagon didn't know. So it was really a very surreal, shocking moment for our our world. I don't even like to say country because it affected everybody. Wow. That's fucking crazy. So so what did you what did you like what type of stuff did you see obviously two buildings with 3000 plus people that just right. Cr- like right well the most impressing thing or, or the most thing that was impressed in my mind there was n- literally nothing there so if you think there was no real you know without sounding gory there was no real everything was emulsified so every bone in people's bodies were emulsified to sand basically there was no chairs there was nothing except a few pieces of burning steel but other than that you would expect all these people tragically died. You, all the furniture in the building, it was all emulsified, uh, meaning that it was just dust. It really, what? you know, so that, I guess the incineration, the pure force of it all, just emulsified. So you obviously bodies were recovered, body sure. parts more often, not yeah. really intact bodies. But, uh, and again, it was gray, not just because it was gloomy, but it was literally gray because the soot was so powerful that it took the sun away. So 9-11 was actually a beautiful day, if I don't know if people recall, but it was probably one of the beautiful, most beautiful days in New York. Not a cloud in the sky. When the towers collapsed, all that soot, it covered the sky. So literally downtown Manhattan was covered with soot and grayness. So it had, you know, a very big impact on people. People were in shock. Everyone, the police commissioners, politicians, presidents, everybody was in shock. And that's, of course, what attributed to bringing people together. There was no... One of the things that impressed me the most was the darkness, the gloominess of it, because it was visually that way. And also, you couldn't hear a peep anywhere in Manhattan. Midtown Manhattan, you didn't hear a car horn honk. So normally, if you go into Manhattan today, you're just going to hear crazy-ass noise, car horns honking, people crazy. It was the most solemn experience I've ever seen throughout the city of New York. Yeah, it was incredible. Wow. So... So everybody was just like, there was no taxis making any noise. There was no horns. Why? Because everybody was just like at a standstill. Like, they were what terrified. What the fuck just happened? They don't, well, they didn't know it was at the world. I mean, when you think about it, they were literally terrified. There was no advance warning of this. Yeah. So it just happened and people literally didn't know what to do and what to expect. So people were in a universal state of shock. Holy shit. Yeah. It was weird. Very weird. Because I lived in D.C. Right. And, I mean, I wasn't in D.C. like next to the Pentagon, but I was in like in Maryland. When that How happened, old were you? I was in um, I was in eighth grade. Right. So I was in science class and I was watching right. the towers burn and I'm like, my dumbass was like, I didn't even know what the fuck the twin towers were. I was right. like, oh, it's an oil company. Right. It's on fire. Right. And it's like, right. No. And I think that's part of the experience. Everybody has a little bit yeah. of its experience, but you know, I think older people really, you know, mature adults sure. realize that this this could be the end of the world. Yeah. This could be World War Three, whatever. Yeah. So it was really terrifying for everybody. So it was nothing nobody could rely on. We're used to having order in our life. You're mm-hmm. used to asking somebody what to do. The police commissioner didn't know what to do. The mayor didn't know what to do. The president didn't really have a, a clue. You can't make decisions when you don't know what the fuck is happening. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a very, you know, in my lifetime, it was the most, uh, I guess, emotionally impactful experience or one of them. It has to be. And you think about it, that totally makes sense of their, everyone's reaction because everybody romanticizes the, the like when you watch Independence Day, when you watch films, when you watch big movies and like New York's under attack, it's like this fucking chaos. It's like all this stuff. And you would think the world is ending when you literally see two of the largest buildings in the world fall to dust right. and like yeah. out of the skyline. Right. Like that's It's almost unimaginable. It really if is. If you think of two buildings just collapsing to nothing, to dust, yeah. really dirt, it, 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 doesn't, it didn't fall over. Yeah. It didn't, you know, you have no idea how this is going to happen. Wow. So, yeah, but, you know, in, in in the good part, it brought everybody, I mean, literally everybody together. There was no liberals. There were no conservatives. There was no Democrats. Everybody was in shock. So, therefore, they came together. And that was the really the coolest thing. Sadly, yeah. 20 years later, however long it is, it's back to the same old shit. Really Everybody's is. fucking arguing and, you know, disagreeing. So, that's the sad part. To me, that was you know. So if it brought the, it brought the world together. That's incredible. All right. So, so then you were you, like you said you were at Nassau at that point, and then yeah. um, 
so so canine dogs scare the shit out of me. Like when I see a cop dog, right. I always it's a German Shepherd, and I grew up okay. with white German Shepherds. So I'm like, oh, I want to pet it. Right. But then I'm like, no, because it'll probably it'll rip my fucking throat out yeah. if it could, if it was told to. It, so like, how does that work? Right. <laughs> well, so it takes a lot of training. So so one of the things I mentioned to people, it takes more training to train a police dog than it does a human in the police academy. So the canine academy for the dog is longer than the human academy for a human being. Oh, shit. Yeah. So to make a human a cop, it's about six months, four or five, six months, depending where you are. The canine academy is six months because you're asking an animal that doesn't have a human brain to do tasks that are are primal and you need to be control of that. So you have to control aggression. So yeah, so dogs are potentially dangerous and we train them to apprehend fleeing felons, meaning a dog runs 30 miles an hour like a heat-seeking missile. So no one's going to outrun a dog. Um, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on the handler, just like a gun or any other mechanism or tool in law enforcement. You have to be careful of how you use it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and to me, you know, I don't know the, who the president was, but he said there's no greater joy in life than hunting armed men. I don't know if it was one of them. Yeah, yeah. And that was the most exciting, exhilarating experiences of my life. The, the time that, you know, so you train these dogs for like six months. And it's not to viciously attack people, yeah. but they used to hunt, hunt people. And they are technology that can't be duplicated. So a helicopter can't do what a dog does. Infrared light. All the technology that we have today can't replace the ability of a dog to go into woods or a building and locate somebody hiding within seconds. And it's just, it's incredible to me. That's, that's Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this primitive dogs have been around a million years, 500,000 years. And when you, you harness their energy, meaning their nose and their, des their desire, to hunt we go along for the ride so to speak the human so it's incredible so my point is that was what in my lifetime the most exhilarating thing i could do was go out in the middle of the night no one else could by myself basically you know because other law you sure. couldn't have other cops and stuff with you because that would distract the dog and just let the dog find and i'd challenge people i would challenge the helicopter i would have whatever it was what? we we have an area down here in, uh, in new york jones beach and it's a big uh, big woodlands sure. i don't know what the hell you actually call it but it would be like finding if i told you to go hide in these this hundred acres and play hide and seek i would tell you Corey, go hide i'm going to give you an hour Good advice was get up in a tree, though, because I'm going to release a dog. <laughs> so just <laughs> I'll shit my pants immediately. Right, but 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 your the rules were make sure you're up high where a dog couldn't access sure. you, obviously. So we'd let you go, run away, whatever. You're a serial killer. You're a mass murderer. Corey, yeah. the mass murderer, <laughs> and we know. He's in this area, these 50 wooded acres. I don't even know what the hell it is, but it's a barrier beach down sure. on Fire Island. Then I would say you're there, and it could be at nighttime. So I'd say I'd invite the helicopter. I was in charge of, you know, the nicest part was, so you know as well as I do, one of the nicest things kids can do is play hide-and-go-seek. Yeah, Right. Yeah. So, and you pretend, right? Yeah, you pretend you pretend, have a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Cops and robbers and Exactly. Shit. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't have to pretend because I was the commanding officer of the unit. You were legit doing it. Right, so I'd get on the radio <laughs> and I could have the helicopter. I mean, I, I was like, holy shit, yeah. this is cool. <laughs> I'm still my 12-year-old, 14-year-old brain, <laughs> and amazing. I'm getting on the radio, K-9-1, I'd like helicopter assistance or whatever. And five minutes later, I'm like, holy shit, this is cool you it's know surreal. and that's what i'm thinking about because yeah. i've never really take myself too serious and i'm always having fun yeah that's one of my basic philosophies in life but i get the helicopter which is a couple of million dollars then they have infrared <laughs> cameras on it that's supposed to you know see heat sources sure. at night whatever it was i'd let my dog go and in three or four or five minutes in 50 acres we would find where you are. We'd find your location. What? And yeah, so it's incredible because the dog is using its nose, which is incredible. And, you know, there was some tactical stuff if we worked into the wind and so forth. But if, we, if I was good at what I was doing, deploying the dog, we were, like, super, super successful. So it was awesome. Jesus There's nothing Christ. like that. That's insane because when I watch cops, that's my only like that's my only connection to, like, right. law enforcement and dogs is when I watch cops. And they when they unleash the... The right. dog, it's fucking insane. Right. Yeah, and it is serious. And, and the biggest challenge, I testify in court a lot on behalf of 
dogs mostly. So, you know, it's it's misunderstood because you have an image of dogs from watching TV. And most people think they have an intelligence that they really don't have. They have a very simple mission is to take, for example, if we use doing it, criminal apprehension, meaning I have to know, of course, that you're a bad guy. And you're fleeing the scene. There's legal. Obviously, you just can't you sure. know, send your dog on the mailman. You yeah. have to, or, or a Boy Scout. Yep. You have to know your legal authority. But when that occurs, a dog is going to run you down and take you to the ground. It doesn't matter how big, how fast, or how strong you are. The dog, a 70-pound dog, hitting you at 30 miles an hour, and you know, either in an arm or a leg or a part of your body. And they're trained to do it. It's not easy. You would think it's easy to train a dog to do it. You have to take months to do it because it's counterintuitive for a dog to fight a man, a human, or an adult. So they have to learn how to twist their head so they get a good, what we call a full mouth bite. They can't just indiscriminately like bite in the ass and bite in the ankle because that would cause more injuries. Sure. So they have to take what we call a full mouth bite. But, I, you know, when everything goes well, it's really, you know, I, it was enjoyable. Yeah. You're taking a criminal off the street that's no other technology could. There's no, you obviously watch cop shows. Sure, yeah. So you know those fat ass cops with yeah. 30 pounds. They're not running. They're not running out anybody. So, <laughs> so that's not happening. So the dog is all that. They're agile. They can jump over six foot fences. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. It's a very, it's an adrenaline rush when you can do that. With all the technology that's, and just say K91, we got them, and that's it. The helicopter, you know, everybody thinks their technology yeah. is irreplaceable. You would think helicopter infrared <laughs> looking down, right? right. But you know what? They 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 zoom in on horseshit, a steamy pile <laughs> of horseshit, because they're zooming in on heat sources, not odor. There's yeah. no technology really that can replace odor. So the infrared, you know, they'll see some deer, they'll see whatever is hotter than the rest of the environment. Sure. So if you hide under something, you wouldn't be seen by infrared anyway. Wow. Yeah, so it's cool. Totally cool. That's insane. So tell me your uh, like your craziest apprehensive apprehension dog dog oh. story of uh what what's the time what are we looking at? Oh sweet. All right, good. So well, tell me this I'm I'm guessing All the right. one with the Yeah, the so plastic. so you know so so there's the Murphy's law, whatever can go wrong will go wrong, right? <laughs> Murphy's law. So you can train in police academies and you can re, re simulate or that's not, set up training scenarios, try to duplicate any possibility. But invariably, in law enforcement, you can't. It, everything, whatever you your imagination can tell you can go wrong, kind of like the, the, tw the Twin Towers. You, you know, nobody could predict, sure. nobody trained for that. So we trained our dogs for criminal apprehension, meaning if there was a felony, and you had reasonable cause to believe the person did it, you can release your dog on them. And the dog is supposed to bite and hold either an arm or a leg. That's what we train day in and day out to do. So I had this, it was in Queens somewhere, and it was a felony. I don't know exactly what it was. I think it was stolen cars or something. And the person ran, and I was in position to apprehend him. So I sent my dog. We call it sending him. We give him a command to go after somebody. And once they target the person, it's literally like a heat-seeking missile. Nothing, they'll get hit by, I mean, nothing is going to interfere with that deployment of the dog. It's on. It's on, on. And their power is like 270 pounds a square inch of pressure. I mean, they could literally break your arm, even if it's, it's in the right place. Make a long story short, here's the guy. He runs out of a car. There was a car chase, and he crashed the car. You see this on TV all the time. Sure. And I'm like, stop, or I'm going to release the dog. And he kept running. I said, stop, or I'm going to release the dog. He's like, he fuck you. Yeah. Right. He says, fuck you. <laughs> but he, I guess, you know, whatever's going. And, of course, they're, they're panicking. Criminals panic. Yeah, and this is terrible. why. Probably. Dogs are great because it'll, you want to bring these things to a conclusion as quick as possible. Sure. Because then you see carjackings if you watch. There's always the secondary crime. The pup, thank you. Yeah. So I release this dog, and off he goes. And it was nighttime, so I don't have a very clear you know, visual of everything. And we're talking about before, like the Twin Towers, when things don't are out of place. So the dog goes... Bites the guy in the arm, which is like perfect. And I'm like, oh, man, that was perfect. He's going to bring this guy down to the ground like he's supposed to. And I'm going to come run up, get my fat ass up there in about however long it takes. And I'm going to handcuff him. So this is a kind of a funny thing, right? Because we have police procedures, right? If you arrest somebody, you handcuff them. You put their two yep. hands behind their back and you handcuff them. Sure. So in this instance, the dog bites the arm and the arm comes off in the dog's mouth. He had a prosthetic limb. 
Now, what was the odds of this? You know, so the dog had a prosthetic limb. Now, the dog is not thinking he's not making moral decisions. He doesn't give a shit. The guy committed a murder or stole a car. So he takes the guy's arm in his mouth. And that was like a re- his reward. He won. Right. right. Yeah. So he was happy. And now he's the guy continues to run away. I'm screaming for the dog to go after him. The dog is this, the dog's never experienced this. He's like, what are you fucking talking about? I have his arm in my mouth. That's what I'm supposed. That's what I've been training to do for six months. So that was pretty. I mean, the odds of that occurring. How many people have prosthetic limbs? How yeah. many people with prosthetic limbs steal cars? How many people with prosthetic limbs run away from a, a eighty pound police dog? He did. So it was it was funny. Of course, like I said, I don't take these things seriously. It's like I don't get just like a dog doesn't get mad at anybody. Me in law enforcement, I never got mad at people. Yeah. If I did, I shouldn't. You know, I couldn't have done yeah, it for that long. Sure, sure. So the point was that was. One of the more oddest uh, Did things. Did you catch ever. him? Like we later caught him. Oh, you know, obviously we try throw up a perimeter and stuff. And now he doesn't have his arm. Yeah. So the, one of the things that you know, this is, I'm talking about 30 years ago. But yeah. here's something that sticks in my mind as I'm telling this story. One of the things were is our police procedure is handcuffing somebody's hands behind him. Yeah. So that threw me for... Yeah. So not only did his goddamn arm come off, his arm is in my dog's mouth. My dog is like having a party, like he just got a bone. And the guy's arm isn't there, so I'm like all flat, fr- frazzled. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I got the guy's arm is in my dog's <laughs> mouth. I want to go handcuff him, but he only has one arm. Yeah. What do I do? Like is it still like a wrist that he yeah. has one yeah. arm? You know. So I'm saying, like, it's these amazing. are the kind of things that you know. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. And again, it's things that happen that you're not your your brain can't really process, like the World Trade Center. To keep going back to that analogy, sure, no, you can't right, process yeah. it. So this guy's arm is in my dog's mouth. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And the dog was like, it was just, <laughs> this, okay, is awesome. this is yeah. awesome. I got a nice treat. Yeah. So yeah, and that like, was they one. They train you that for in the fucking academy. Like, right. Yeah. Well, but as a result of that, then of course we have done that. We, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. So you can take that experience and that's what life experiences do. Now you have to go back and go back to the drawing board. And we used to call dogs out. So that was the standard to train dogs to bite an arm. But if you think about it, if you're running away from the police, you're probably not going to offer your arm to the dog. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So more likely you're going to run away and keep your arms up. And we used to call that being sleeve happy because that was the way we trained police dogs to take the arm. And then. Literally, you could run away from the dog if you keep your arms up because he's just yeah. going to run alongside you. Yeah, hey. Right, right. Yeah. So then we had other training methods where we would teach the dog to, you know, bite whatever area of the body was exposed. That was fucking crazy. That was like a crazy story. Um, the police department, you worked for Nassau for like 30 some years. You I started out in New York City. Yeah. I worked in law enforcement my whole life, but beginning, at, you know, in corrections, as I said, Maximus, sure. then New York City. And then I transferred to the Nassau County Police yeah, Department. Which is, if people don't know what that is, it's a county. It's a second. There's only two counties in Long We're, Island, Nassau and Suffolk. Suffolk. Right. And it's a huge suburb. It's huge. very, it's, it's one of the most expensive areas to live. And it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a huge fucking county in, in, right. in Long That's Island. That's right. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So huge. 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 <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. so tell like, what's your? Do you still do stuff with the the cops or the police department? Like, what's your uh, you know your take on you know that's a long ass time to be a cop, right? You know what right, I mean, right? So the thing, my perspective on law enforcement and police department, obviously police, uh, firemen, they do very noble things. But sometimes there's like a narrative to it, you know, so if you ask the average person, a cop, what do you do? And they say they want to help people and they want to save the world. You know, it's a very altruistic opinion. My experiences weren't always that way. So for myself included, like I wanted the fun. I I enjoyed being a cop. I was young, you know, back in the day, 30 years ago, society, everything was different. So I had a lot of fun. But with that said, it, my motivation wasn't really, to be honest, helping people. It was for me. I enjoyed sure. it. I enjoyed the excitement, the kind of the adrenaline kind of things. So, you know, I got into law enforcement for that reason. Good pay. It wasn't, again, to the save pension, the world. Insurance. Yeah, all yeah. that good shit. Not to save the world. And yeah. I felt, I feel, and I do today, I feel it's kind of a false narrative, you know, because I was a supervisor. I was, and, and a lot of cops, police, they say they just want to save the world and save the community, but they were very selective over what communities they wanted to yeah. save. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So, of course. you know, so there was cer- certain underserved communities just like it is today. So if you really believe that, and, and maybe 
things have changed, you know, morally, uh, ethically, things have changed. But back in my day, things were different. And uh, so I always describe New York City. I had a certain experience. Obviously, New York City is like, uh, you know, the busiest city in the world, the most active back in the day. Criminal activity was huge. So that fit right into me. So it wasn't like morally I cared. I liked that. The more crime, the better for my purposes, because I enjoyed the, the, enjoyed the, your job. I enjoyed the hunt yeah. and the chase. Uh, so then when I moved to Nassau County Police, it was a little bit different. Then I started seeing the realities as you get a little older. I was in my young early 20s. So I describe working for the Nassau County Police Department in that day is like working for the mafia. <laughs> it was like, yeah. So what people don't realize, and, and you have it today, like... You got everything is very political. Police departments oh, yeah. are political. The FBI is political. So, so it, 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 I was always, uh, I was kind of out of the box, so to speak. I was a hard person for them to contain, sure. um, and 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 to my detriment sometimes because I got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So they transferred me all over. Fortunately, I worked in Nassau County, so there was only a limited amount of places they could transfer me to. You know, yeah. so, and I. I said the only difference between the Nassau County Police Department and the mafia, instead of getting a broken leg, I got transferred to, you know, the furthest away from my house. So yeah. that was their form of punishment. But it was had similarities to it. It had like a not a gang mentality, but like a group thing. Sure. So there's all individually my colleagues and supervisors in the police. But when they're good people, if you met them at a barbecue, they'd be nice. Yeah. You have a beer. They're nice. But when you put them together collectively, they got to believe their own press. They have to believe what they're doing is correct. They can't change their ideology around. So I had a lot of problems with police departments, particularly Nassau County Police Department, because it was kind of like an old boy network at the time. And as I said, I got great friends, family members. But at the time, it was it was kind of funny. That's the way I you know I used to go behind like disciplinary boards, and it was I felt like I was like in like Auschwitz. I don't know. I thought I was at some like criminal trial or something. Really? Yeah, yeah. But interesting. So, so you said that you would get in trouble a lot. What do you mean by getting in trouble? Oh well, depending on who you ask. So so you know the old story. (laughs) There's three sides to every story. Yours, mine, and the truth. Right, exactly. So the truth is always in the middle. If you were going to ask them the one side, they'd say I was this rogue, crazy bastard that did what I wanted, didn't follow orders, and you know whatever, kind of all kinds of crazy things. And to some degree. It was true because I did challenge authority, and that's been my mo since I dropped yeah. out of school at sixteen. Same. So, yeah. so it's. It, and again, I'm not bragging about that, but you know, I, if I'm, I, I view incompetence. But the military and law enforcement, there's no room for you to allow to have incompetence. And and most of my supervisors, people in charge of me, didn't want people smarter than them. So if you see organizations, and you know, you get promoted or something, they really, they might like you, but they want to make sure that you're not smarter than them to keep you in a box. So I was hard to contain. And, you know, the the expression was a boss fighters. I was a boss fighter because I just... Not physically, but I challenge. I know what you mean. I'm, I, the, I'm the same. I challenge. Way. I challenge logic, and in a respectful way. And I used to get transferred, as I said, from precinct to precinct to precinct. And I felt bad for the commanding officer because they greet me, but they heard this story oh, like yeah, I was fuck. a serial killer. Yeah. Right, right. So, and they'd sit me across the table as though you know they all had their leadership style. Someone's going to be a hard ass. Yeah. Somebody's going. None of it worked for me. And I just say, I am not a monster. I can be your best asset if you just don't bullshit. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. Don't, you know, political sure. shit I'm not going to do well with. So, you know, and that's that's got me in trouble. And some people appreciate it. So, there were supervisors that secretly liked me. But secretly, they would never say that yeah. at a social gathering. Yeah. And, you know, and again, I don't have a bad taste in my mouth. And if you ask them... Here's what used to piss me off. If you ran into one of my bosses, a police commissioner, say, what's the story of Mike Gould? What's his story? And this is their stock answer. They said, there's a lot more to Mike Gould than you know. So that, if you think about that statement, what does that mean? That leaves it up to you. I used to tell them, do me a favor. The next time somebody asks you about Mike Gould, just tell them that I have no secrets. Tell them whatever the shit you think I did. But don't leave that little question mark. Yeah, that could be like, (laughs) oh. Right. If somebody said, hey, well, Corey, there's a lot more to Corey than you want to ask or I can tell My you. imagination just goes, you're right. right. What, what is he? A pedophile, serial yeah. killer? What, yeah. What's the story? So that was my... Fucking I, rampart shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was... 
you know, again, I, lo- I loved every minute of it, including the disciplinary part, because it was just challenging to me. So I have no regrets at all, uh, awesome. at all. You know, I mean, yeah. I loved law enforcement. That's so cool. Yeah, it was fun. A lot of excitement. So you did law enforcement. Obviously, you were with working with dogs your entire yeah. time. My, the one thing that fascinates me, or, or no, yeah, that fascinates me about you is your ability to uh, control a situation with a dog. That like, because uh, we have Boomer and we brought him in for literally, like fi- within five minutes, right. I was like, "Whose fucking dog is this?" Like, I, I was projecting a lot of right. anxiety on him, and you could pick that up. But I was so impressed because you see, like, you know, Caesar Milan and all these fucking whoever they are, you know, dog whispers and stuff like that. But you don't really see or hear a lot of the stuff that like you talk about, like. Right. Like they talk a little bit about it, but like the mammalian brain and like the things that like we do as humans to our dogs, which is fucking crazy. Right, it's crazy. You shouldn't do. I mean, you can do them. Do it. But like, tell me a little bit about like, tell me about the dog brain. Right. So dogs have different brains. They have a mammalian brain. I don't want to get technical, but we have a neocortex. So our brain, our human brain, our executive brain is so complicated. It houses all kinds of emotions, intelligence. We can listen to music. We can do this podcast. You can tell me what each piece of equipment is. A dog, any dog, it doesn't matter if it's a poodle or a pit bull. It has the same brain. It's a mammalian brain that's not changed in 500,000 years. It hasn't evolved. So we have evolved. So we dress dogs up. So we want the only skill set or communication we have is a human communication. And dogs are oblivious. So the best analogy I could use, if you have a three-year-old, four-year-old deaf child, you can't communicate with them in English language. And then they, they need to be taught everything in a different form of hmm. communication. So the only thing we do at Houndstown, effectively, is we're bilingual. We know what the needs of humans are. We know. you Whatever you want to do, and again, it's fine, but don't get mad at the dog when it's shitting in your house or tearing your shoes up. Your shoes, are, they're not shoes to the dog. They yeah. have your odor on it. They're a piece of leather. They're a dead animal, basically, and they eat it. Yeah. And then you get home, and you're screaming, yelling, crying, you know? So... Yeah, so it's just understanding the simplicity of it. And what I do is I tell people, particularly my clients, this is so simple that most people can't do it because you're a human brain, particularly a business like you. You live in a very technical world of stuff. So it's almost hard for you to just understand the simplicity of the dog brain or the mammalian brain. You couldn't couldn't be more fucking right because when, when like everything that we, me and Corinne or, you know, whatever we do, to our dogs, our animals, we treat them just like a lot of people. That we treat them like children, or like right. they're our babies. They're not even like, but they're animals. Right? They're domesticated, obviously, but you know they're they're animals. Right. They have a brain that works like an right. animal, and there's certain things that they do that people think is cute or or right. sweet or whatever right. that like they're doing because right they're fucking animals. Right? Like, like what are some of the things? Right. Well, that's a good point. So the big word of the day, and I'm not, you know, is anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism is when humans ascribe human behavior to animals, whether it's a horse. I mean, we watch cartoons, there's pets, you know, all of these things. And we think that it's true. But the dogs are incapable of advanced emotional things. So I think the most important thing is... um, just understanding their simplicity. So as you said, they can be great family members. I love dogs. I love dogs like probably people don't even understand, but they can't be human. So you can love fish, but they got to be in water. You can't take a fish out of water. It's going to die. We all know that. So birds need to be in nests. So we know all of these things, but this anthropomorphism, we want that. We want to love a something we want to love it and dogs are the perfect ones because they bond and you know in many ways they're our hostage right so they can't go they don't have thumbs so they can't go anywhere so we think we're doing all these things and generally we are believe me everybody my family everybody jackie bed dogs are in bed with us but don't be surprised when the dog growls at you or the dog just jumped in mud and then jumped in your bed you can't rational they couldn't give a shit about mud 
So, you know, I just laugh. People like to kiss their dogs, right? Oh, give me a kiss. So when I explain what that behavior, first of all, I ask, you know, did the dog eat its own shit? Because it probably does. <laughs> so, so now you're kissing the dog. And even in a more primal sense, the reason the dog is kissing, it's not a romantic act of French kissing with a human. They, they learn their mother used to regurgitate their food into their mouths. So when you understand the primal essence, mom would go kill something. They'd actually digest it which I think is amazing. The mother would kill or father would kill something, digest it, bring it back to the den and regurgitate. Rather than carry it and drag it, they'd regurgitate it back into the, the puppy's mouth. So now the pup, oh. now the puppy wants to lick your face to get the, you know, the Big Mac off your mustache or whatever the hell it is. But it's not a romantic act of affection. God, when you say it like that, it sounds so fucking gross. Right, like exactly. Well, I heard like, they're licking their ass, they're licking their balls, and then yeah. they're kissing you. Why? Whatever. But meanwhile, we, if I, I got to brush my teeth, I got to be like uh, completely sterile before God knows somebody, a woman kisses me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So That's, I asked, yeah, does your dog eat shit? Yeah. And then the, the next thing is they want to... St- <laughs> They want to stop so people, you know, because that's not an uncommon thing, the dog eating their own feces. Yeah, yeah. And people want to. Why do they do that, though? Well, it's nutritional thing. It depends on who you ask. Sometimes they, somebody would say they'd pick up their excrement so not another predator wouldn't know where there uh. is. Or it can be a nutritional thing. But what makes like me malnourished, if they're malnourished, malnourished, there's some uh, kind of nutrients they're not sure, available. Sure. So okay. that's why they may eat grass. And again, I, I don't know the scientific but the thing that makes me laugh is there's products on the market because dogs do eat their own excrement. So people go out and they buy something that they spray on the shit. And I'm like, what could smell worse or taste worse than shit? So what is this item that you're spending $10 for or whatever it is to spray on top of feet, dog feces? That's going to be, oh, that's that's horrible. I'll eat my own crap, but not with that stuff on it. We, so I We think have that, that in our cabinet right now. Right, and, you do? Okay. And, and the little tablets that we can give to them to make their breath smell better. Okay, well, that, that might be, you might want to take that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like, I think it's all like some of that stuff is kind of, scamish it is well people are tapping this is why houndstown frankly is so good houndstown usa because we don't bullshit people and we don't exploit you emotionally so you you know we dogs come here they hump jump and dump dogs are so simple they just literally want to sniff each other's butts they have no they're not as i always say they have no race they're not racist they're not judgmental they either like you or you don't and if they don't like you, they might bite you. And if they love you, they'll bond with you forever. And they do have emotions, but not complicated. They never, they don't have love and hate. So I hate my first, or no, not my first wife, my third wife I hate. Uh, so, yeah, I hate her. So, but I love my new wife yeah. for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and that may change. So, so dogs are not that complicated. This is the beauty. This is why we're drawn to dogs. It's something we can control. Yeah. They're not taking the car and leaving for three days. They're in our, you know. They're a hostage. They're like a hostage. That's a great fucking way to explain right. it. But we'd like to think we're good hostage takers. But, yeah. but, but myself included, you know. I'm only giving you my spin on things, you know. So, uh, so what emotions do dogs have? Because when you tell me certain things about Boomer and this and that, I, I literally, I believe you. But then I'm like. Yeah, but there's still a chance that he loves me, and that, you know what I mean. Like, well, he does, I wanna, right? Know. But I think he does. It's just not complicated love. He's so you know. Again, a hostage. You know, there's <laughs> something called the Stockholm syndrome. Yes, You're yes. familiar, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So it's just not complicated. But the good part is they don't have those toxic emotions. So yeah, they bond. Let's. Use, so I'm just careful with the words because we think of love sure. as the dog is going to kill for you. They're not. So, yeah. you know, just just be prepared that a burglar can come in your house and Boomer's going to just stare at them yeah. or, <laughs> or run or, away. Or run away. More than likely. Right. And if they, he does bite them, he's protecting himself and not you. So we like to assign that, like, Boomer yeah. will kill somebody if somebody comes in. And we right. know that that's not true. So it's it's just it's a bonding that's not like nothing else. It's uh, Birds can't bond with you that way. Cats don't bond with you that way. Ale- you know, so it's a bond. Sure. They, need your so- they need your touch. They need your food. They need everything. 
So it's, uh, but they don't get jealous, although it may look like jealousy. They don't get angry, although it looks like anger, right? If you reach down and take their bone, they bite you in the hand. So that looks like we would describe that he's angry or vicious. He's a bad dog. Right. It's not. It's just a mammalian behavior, right? So if I'm at a steak restaurant and somebody's rude enough to reach down and take my steak, I'll probably put a fork in their hand. What the fuck? However, if the waiter says, excuse me, sir, you're done. So it's just about respecting the animal. So. Uh, you know, we understand that. We understand to respect the dog's boundaries. Don't try to make them human, but enjoy them. As I would always say, if you have a, a child with a disability, uh, they're wonderful, right? But they can't necessarily do what you want them to do. They might not be a football player. They might not want to go on a roller coaster. So we do a lot of work with autistic kids and stuff. They're wonderful, Deaf kids. I love working with deaf kids. That sounds weird, yeah. but they're totally focused and they just appreciate, there's so much appreciativeness, but they have a different way to communicate. So I, you can't talk to a deaf person. That's just like a news yeah, verbally. Or, verbally. Yeah. Right. So you want to communicate, you learn sign language or some mechanism. And the same goes for a dog. They're not human. They're not processing English language. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. They just see your mouth moving. Sure. So it's kind of incredible. Once you get it, and the simplicity of it is so simple that humans have a almost universally. I go to people's houses and say, "This is so easy. You're not going to do it," and they they get it. I'm like, don't look at your dog. They can't not look at their dog. Don't touch your dog. They can't not touch. They they, they get frustrated with themselves because yeah. it's so simple. It's like riding a bicycle. The simplicity is there. Well, I see I see videos of you going into a house. And the dog's running up, jumping on the window or the or the door. The owner is, you know, uh, no, no, and like being aggressive and doing this right. and that, projecting anxiety on the mm-hmm. on the dog. And then, like, literally in fifteen minutes, you can go yeah. in the house. The dog runs away from the doorbell. You could throw a steak on the middle of the floor. He'll just sit there and look at right. it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, right. can right. you come to my house? Right. Like, Boomer's a great dog. Yeah. Like, he, he's a, he's very yeah. like relax and chill and snap but when he sees another dog which is my fault because when he got attacked at the dog park i never took him back right Right. which is a terrible mistake i'm not it's not though that's the problem i have it's you're now absorbing some kind of emotional thing that it's (laughs) a a terrible mistake i should have done that the chances are most of these things are genetic to begin with so not it's not necessarily what it appears to be and humans are emotional creatures and they want to observe one of the biggest prohibitors in dog interaction, for sure, I would argue human interaction is guilt. So I feel guilty about my children. I feel guilty that I wish they had a car. The other, you know, you can you can go down the road of guilt, sure. and it prohibits you from growing. And it definitely prohibits dogs from growing. It's just an acceptance of who they are, their personality. So again, I'd argue if you have a deaf child or blind kid, they can't may not be able to go play dodgeball. Yeah. That's not sad. Yeah. That's great because they can do other things that are incredible, and their other senses are so in, uh, enhanced that they can do things that make us look like more. Morons. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. But so guilt is a big problem, and it just—it's about accepting dogs for who they are, and not. So I couldn't care less about a breed. People will call me up. I got a schnoodle doodle poodle. Yeah. Uh, he's three years old. You know how they are, and he was tied to a fence yeah. in Terrible Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is all nonsense. It's nonsense. It would be like you describing. You know, your DNA to me and saying I'm Irish, European, this little German, you know how that is. And it's ludicrous. So dogs just want to be respected, left alone. They need a little love here and there. Not as much as most humans project on them. (laughs) That's so true. Right. And it's fine. And you get them out of balance. So here it is. Dog, particularly dog training behavior. It's like a magic trick. Once you know the magic trick, it's like, that's it? So what I do when I go into people's houses, I stick to my very simple premise. Don't look, talk, or touch. Now the dog is like, what the fuck is, why isn't this guy looking at me? He's trying to get me to look, and I don't. I shake people's hands. I, I literally take over their house because it's not their house. It's the dog's house. So when I take over their house, I take over the dog. Got it. Without physicality, and this is not, one of the things I always like to point out, this is not heavy-handed, pinch collar, it's nothing. It's literally nothing except the lack of, as I said, eye contact and touching and doing sure. weird shit, you throwing know, dog the dog around, exactly, yeah. and confusing the shit out of them. Basically, that's what you're doing. So the doorbell is where drama unfolds for humans. It's dramatic for everybody. So it is. 
Yeah, well, because if you know somebody's coming to a barbecue, that's one thing. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, the same sound of the doorbell, if you're like, my, my heart's pounding out of my yeah. chest. Nothing yeah. good happens no, at 2 I'm o'clock in the morning. I'm in the safe, ready, you know. I'm, right, you're yeah. ready to lock it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right, but the dog is has no clue what wow. it is. They don't tell. They, they can't look at their watch. Yeah. They don't know. They Your tell, dogs don't have watches? Right, they, yeah. yeah. They, they tell time too. by our movements. Yeah. So it's, it's just a, an incredible, simple thing. It is. It's that most people can't do it because our brains are all caught up. And the more analytical you are, the more technology you submerge yourself in, the dog brain becomes very complicated. Okay, so so then why does when I am Boomer's fine when we wake up. He's the best in the morning. He's all sweet and cute. Mm -hmm. And then once he realizes at a certain time that we're starting to get ready. Right. Corinne's getting dressed. She's going to work. I'm I'm about to leave and go run some errands, go edit whatever I'm doing. He gets sad looking. He goes and sits on the carpet. He won't give us kisses and hugs when we leave. He like is like, fuck you guys. You know, you guys are about to leave me. Why does he do that? Right. Well, I think it's not what you see it is. So I don't know how you can determine if a dog looks sad. So obviously you're describing that probably because his tail's not wagging. And he knows something in his environment's going to change. So dogs are incredible at processing everything. You don't realize the, the habits you have. You sleep on the exact same side of the bed. I almost guarantee yeah. If you go on the other side, you won't be able to sleep. Mm -hmm. You sit in the same chair when you eat dinner. You don't move around necessarily. So we are creatures of habits, and dogs are creatures of habit. So, yeah, obviously, a dog that's loving and wants to play all day, but it's like a child or, you you know, you're going to work. you got to go to work. So they know. They tell time by your movements. You do everything so routinely. You don't even realize that you put your watch. Whatever you do is is the same all the time, and dogs tell time. Dogs tell time, and they have this incredible ability to categorize or catalog information. So people wonder how they know when you're going on vacation. Usually, you pull out a bag that you haven't used six months ago Mm -hmm. when you go to the airport, a backpack or something, but this is what you always take on vacation. That's it. They don't need to know more. They don't need to check. They don't need to know anything but that bag means they're going to disappear. That's all they know. They don't know whether you're going to... They don't have any concept of time. They can't say, oh, yeah, I know he's going to be back in eight hours. So they have this sense of abandonment. And But that's not bad. But they're pack animals that require... So their pack is leaving. And they're pa- well, yeah, so they're alone. They're lone wolves, so to speak. Wow. So now they have to terrorize... You know, if the landscaper comes, they got to defend. There's nobody else there. So again, it's like leaving a three-year-old child... You know, give them a flashlight sure. and say, listen, I hear noises in the basement. Go, go, see, figure, it go yeah. figure it out. So we just take these little simple things for granted. But dogs, their whole folk, they're not thinking. They have no real future. They're not thinking about going to school. They're not thinking about the summer. You know, if they got to lose weight for sure. the summer. They just know they, they live in the moment of time. And that's what makes them incredible motivators for me. They live in the moment of time. And... Uh, you know, you've seen Rosie without her two legs. Yeah. She's not thinking back about She doesn't hate the people in yeah. Bolivia or where the fuck she came from. She's here in the moment, and she's this incredible spirit. So dogs live in the moment. So obviously, if their pack members are leaving and they don't really know when they're coming back, it's it, it sets them out of balance a little bit. So it's sadness. I don't know if that's the exact word, but it's a version. All these things are versions of the yeah. emotion. Love, sadness, guilt. It's just not what our version is. Exactly. Ours is way complicated. It's so true that you say that because I know when... So Boomer has his own own duffel bag. (laughs) So when we travel, he has this black leather, pebbled leather bag that Mm. he knows all his treats are in, all his toys, all that shit's in there. So when he sees me move that bag or do anything he, with it he gets around fucking nuts right. he's like oh all right, right. we're going somewhere right. it's fucking crazy so right. now that totally makes sense oh it's just right that they make this simple connection the same thing happens with everybody's listening with the leash you pick up the leash the dog has a shit fit sure. and gets excited so but again we look to balance the energy so sometimes you know if we see a dog that we have called separation anxiety yeah i mean some dogs like really go crazy they start yeah. chewing furniture relieving themselves in the house they really have a and it's really just from anxiety. So, um, but we have ways of just understanding. We leave, we put our couch, we take the bag that we go shop, his bag, and then sit on the couch with it. Oh. And then he looks and like, what the, what's yeah, going on here, Corey? That's my bag. Why aren't we leaving? Yeah. And then you just disrupt his thought process and make it just chill. Just even it out. Even it out. Balance it energy. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. As a cop and being a police officer for so long, you've probably seen some crazy shit. So what's like the most... What's the craziest thing that 
you've ever encountered or like, uh, you know, cause you're a funny guy. So like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that you guys would see on a beat on a regular day basis is like eventually would become funny to you or whatever right. to where some of us might be like, Oh my God, that's so sad or terrifying, right. you know? So, right. Yeah. So in law enforcement and I'm assuming, um, you know, medical field, you get desensitized sure. to certain things. You can't really express your emotions the way you normally would. And over a period of time, if you think of it, law enforcement, you know, we talk about people with PTSD from war when they go get deployed for like six months or a year. We're doing this. Law enforcement is doing this prolonged over 20, 25, 30 years, meaning they're inject their normal family people and then they're injected into tragedies one minute and then happiness so there's a long line of emotions and i guess the thing that that i think of most is the real anomalies in life that you know because after a while you just can't even i couldn't even tell you how many dead bodies i've been exposed to or mangled bodies and again it's it it, i feel kind of weird talking about it because a lot of times it looks like i'm i'm insensitive to these things and i'm not so the stories that i'll tell you the two that i'm thinking of off the top of my head you know, they're just kind of bizarre and out of the normal. Obviously, most people know cops go to deadly car accidents and, see you know, some shit. Ha- see some shit. And very truthfully, after a certain period of time, you do get desensitized. I can't even tell you. The only time I got emotional, I think, in 30 years when it was dealing, and I think universally police will say when it deals with a child. Yeah. So an innocent child, that was stuff that would, you know, get me emotional. But you still have to contain your emotion, sure. right? So if you have a pedophile, you can't kill them, although you'd want to. Yeah. So you still have to suppress it but anyway my point is when i tell these stories i want to make sure that people listen uh not that i really give a shit but i i I want them to know that you know (laughs) i'm not a monster like get off on this so you asked the question so it's two things i can think of so you know how like you read hear dispatches on the radio they're very calm no matter what's happening they go you know one adam 12 responds to a mass murder at the scene of and the cops go 10 for i'm on my way it it was very right and and it has to be that way because the 911 operators they can't panic they can't show emotion nor should the cop so one day uh, I was driving and I'm in the canine unit and my dog was trained to find bodies and parts of bodies or, you know, uh, so it was probably the worst blizzard on Long Island. It was, I think it was in 1997. It was blinding blizzard. 96 was the blizzard. 96. In Maryland, there, it was. There oh. you go. So I was driving. I happened to, in the canine unit, we had a four wheel drive car. And at the time, really, we were transporting doctors to the, I mean, it was really bad. Snow blindness where you couldn't see a foot in front of you. So I got a call over the radio. I was canine one. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, you never know what a radio, that's what makes police work so fascinating. You never know what the next radio call is going to yeah. be. You never know. It could yep. be anything. Uh, so this dispatcher said, canine one, are you available? And I was. They said, can you respond to the 7-Eleven in Belmore to search for a head? And I'm like... You know, I'm like, yeah, 10-4. What'd you say? (laughs) Search for a head. Right. So here's what happened, sadly. So a person drove and got into a car accident and got decapitated. So they were snow blind. He was going way too fast. And his head literally went through the windshield of the car. But it was snowing so badly that obviously a head, you could find the blood splatter and everything else. But the snow was coming down so heavy that the head and blood was covered within 10 seconds. So they had no idea where this bowling ball-sized head, and it went like a torpedo, right? So it launched a head when it gets the capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Holy shit. Right, so I'm trying to process, like, look for a head. It didn't make, at a 7-Eleven? Yeah, A 7-Eleven parking lot in broad daylight? Slurpees, But Right, right, right. But the the thing was, they didn't want the snow. They wanted to find the head, so when the snow melted, you know, kids going to school wouldn't see this person's head. Sure. Of course, uh, obviously the person died, so it was uh, a fatal accident. He doesn't have a head, so that's a no-brainer. You don't have to be an EMT to figure that one out. So... But but that was an odd story, and of course That's we so fucking right. Weird. And the dog was able to find it, you know, within seconds again. Even though he, they were disoriented because the snow was so heavy, and we found the head in seconds. And oh you know, really? Put, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because so you could we, smell so the head when you find. I'm sorry. I just, right. Now I want to get descriptive. Right. When you find something like that, do you yes. say, "Oh, no. here it is, Jimmy"? You yeah, know, like, kind oh, of. Yeah, what? and it's weird, you know. Like I said, I picked up body parts, legs, complete legs of people, and it's just. I can't describe. That's not something you get used to. No. But I picked up a complete leg from the groin down to the foot that somebody got hit by a car. It was an adult. 
And, you know, I look for it. And I, I found the leg. We got to do something. We got to get it to the hospital to try to, you know, have it reattached. So so these things what do the occur. Fuck? But when you a finger is one thing, but a full leg that's like no, and a head. Yeah. That's, and the head's dead. So at least the leg, you know, we tried to have it reattached. The person didn't die. But the point is, these are weird kind of things that your human brain talking early. We're talking about our human brain. I actually witnessed this person get hit by a car and they were just tapped by the fender of the car. Tap. The car was going about 15 miles an hour. But the way it impacted their thigh, the leg took off like a boomerang. And you think of a boomerang, right? Because yeah, the yeah. thigh is heavier sure. than the foot. Yeah. So it just goes flying. Yeah. And then when you look at the person who's still alive and they don't have a leg, at t I guess that's my thing. I'm like appendages missing, yeah. whether it's a yeah. world. Yeah. It just blows me away that I'm, I, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah. Your, head's, your, your, your head is like trying to like, what process the fuck? This person's yeah. laying here. He's talking to me. But he doesn't have a leg. Yeah. And it's gone. And I saw it. They're shocked I, and adrenaline right, is like right, taking over. Right. And actually, I said that. I made a mistake and said, oh, Jesus Christ, this guy's missing his leg. Yeah. And he's like, what? I'm yeah. missing my leg. So, <laughs> so that wasn't good bedside Holy manners, shit. I guess. But, but the point is, we looked for the leg and it went flying, took the leg. It's just weird to pick up a dead person, That's super uh, a, a, weird. a human leg, and transport it to the hospital. He lived. He lived. He lived. He couldn't reattach because it ripped his leg from, literally from his groin off so, oh. so, so it was nothing it wasn't a clean severed uh, limb but anyway so so that was that but Fuck. but i guess the point is my point is the human brain how we look and process things it's uh, no matter how experienced you are it's like right and and at that incident i'm just going to add this so it was a, it was a on the side of a road so nurses coming home from a hospital stopped to help me because they saw it pretty much within seconds that i did yeah but their training because they work in an er so the nurse comes running up and says, all right, I got my blood pressure cuff. I'm like, this dude, trust me, you don't need yeah. it. He ain't got no blood pressure, you know. But their training was confined to an emergency room of a hospital, yeah. not the side of the Southern State Parkway in yeah. Queens or wherever the hell we were. So they were, everybody gets into a little state of shock, no matter how well you're trained. Sure. So that same person in an ER would have been handled perfectly well, but laying on the side of a road right. without a leg. Out of the environment. Out that of the environment to. that, yeah. So that was, that was weird. What's the, uh, what's the other thing? Oh, well, the other one, again, you know, you know, so police at some point are insensitive to seeing things. So we'd go to the scene of dead people, right? Yeah, sure. People pass away in the middle of the night. We get called to scenes like that. So, again, it's not it's not like like my proudest moment in law enforcement. Sure. But you, you, you had to in order to function doing police work, you know, 12 hours a day, five, four or five days a week. You don't even intentionally do it. You come desensitized to certain things. And as I said before, when things most police officers, including myself, when it becomes a child or some kind of really heinous abuse it's by different. a weak member of our society, just like dogs, it's more emotional than it is for me, for adults. So I got a call for a person that passed away at two or three o'clock in the morning. I was with two or three of my coworkers and we responded and our job was to go find, it wasn't an investigation, the person was dead. Sure. It he it overdosed or p passed away in the middle of the night. And our job was to assist the undertaker in putting, or the mortician, whatever the hell you call him, yeah. is take the body and put it into a body bag and help the undertaker because he couldn't come to the scene and pick up a you know a two hundred pound man right. who's it, dead. He's yeah. dead, right? Exactly. Dead weight. Literally. Right. So the police would uh, we would assist them in that. So we went to the house. It was dark, two o'clock in the morning, and we come in, and the people are obviously upset, and we would come in and apologize for their loss, their condolences. We'd ask where the deceased was. Generally, it was a bedroom. Sure. So we'd go to their bedroom. Now, because rigor mortis had set in, the deceased was in a very weird where However he was laying in bed was the way he was. And rigor mortis, well, we know rigor mortis is a tightness in the muscles. So he couldn't be moved and we had to get him into a body bag. And, you know, I, I, I think this is a def, uh, like a, a, a coping mechanism. So I'm sure. with my three friends and we go in, we're trying to put this fellow's arms into the body bag. And every time I'd push on his right arm, it would spring up. And I'm really struggling. All of us, one person was struggling to sure. straighten out a leg and I was struggling particularly with the right hand. I remember it very clearly. So you just have to think of this. We're in a dark room. 
this is abnormal by any stretch of the imagination, oh, yeah. unless you are, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know what. So this is not something you do every day, including yeah. in law enforcement. So I'm trying to push this guy's right arm into the body bag. I let go of it, and it smacked me in the face and sprung back and swacked me right. I almost got a bloody nose. In the moment, that second in time that happened, everybody in the room except the undertaker broke out laughing hysterically i mean not just giggling it's that uncontrollable in school with your friend like you know you hear them yeah you can't stop it yeah right you can't stop it and the more it happens it's It's really bad so right so we got like literally snot coming out of our noses this is how laughing it is and again i think (laughs) it's probably some kind of a default some kind of psychological default mechanism defense mechanism but the problem was we have now finally get this person in a body bag seal it up we, and it was a struggle. So the challenge was now to get this body that's in a body bag that's pretty heavy and got rigor mortis. So it's not that it's moving, but it's very stiff and heavy. Sure. So the challenge is now to get the body out of the house, walking through the grieving family, which, of course, is horrible. Yeah. But we're in this state of uncontrollable laughter. And we're like, how are we going to do this? And every time we tried, probably three times, and every time I went to reach for the door, somebody else would burst out <laughs> laughing. If it wasn't one person, it was yeah. somebody else, and including me. And everybody's experienced this, right? In sure, church sure. or some some oh, inappropriate yeah. place. In you a get circumstance this. where you shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. Everyone's just right. Yeah. So, so that was it. We got him in the body bag, and we literally had to practically run through the living room out of the front Jesus door. Christ. As soon as we got on the other side of the door, we started busting out laughing. Busting yeah. out laughing. So, That's amazing. Yeah, it's a kind of a, I don't know what that means. Or well, anything. that doesn't mean that you're a bad uh, person or you're a psychopath. It just means that like, it sounds that's your job like, yeah, right, and right. it just happens to be an unfortunate yeah, situation. Yeah, no, good. That, you know, so right, right. I don't, that's okay, not, so I shouldn't be that hung up on yeah, don't, no, yeah. no counseling don't for your, that. Don't use your okay. human brain to have guilt. Okay, thank you. I'll yeah. put that in a box. I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to go to happy hour tonight. No, you're good my way through that with the bartender all no, right you're, cool you're good because it's a you know it's a it's a it's a it's a terrible thing that someone passed yeah. away but, oh yeah you know that's right your but job. there is humor to it and if you can't you know my one of the problems is i have been since i can remember the class clown yeah, so i yeah. like to inject humor into sure. everything and i think that's important to have fun yeah but obviously that no, was I'm uh, the same way dude I'm, I'm i'm always trying to find the funny thing out yeah, of a serious life, situation of course you know? right exactly you can't always be serious no you shouldn't hardly ever be serious yeah. actually in my mind yeah you should always be having <laughs> never. some fun yeah never. always have no you're fun you're fucking fun yeah. um so let me just ask you one last question yes sir if there's one thing that you would tell people that are dog owners, what is the one takeaway or the one thing that you would be like, listen, don't, don't do this or do that. You know what I mean? Right. Because like, you've right. definitely opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Right. So what's well, like the one If thing? somebody was listening in their home, just, just for an hour, don't look, talk, or touch your dog and watch the dog's behavior just as a result of that. So the dogs are very manipulative. They're kind of narcissistic, just like three-year-old children. They manipulate. Three-year-old children manip- manipulate humans to get what they want, whether it's ice cream, candy, go to bed. That's just the nature of being a child. Dogs are always trying to control their environment and their pack members, which are humans in this case, because we've taken them away from their natural pack. We extricated them from natural and brought them into artificial. So if human beings at home right now, just don't look at your dog for one hour. It doesn't mean, you know, people get all caught up on this and they look at me like I'm insane. Go like, what do you mean? I can't touch my dog. I didn't say that. I said, just for a moment of time, look, talk or touch. And you'll find it's probably going to be difficult for you not to reach down and touch yeah. your dog when it comes near you and just respect them for who they are. Like I said, my, my most, the best dogs I've ever had are some, somehow would be considered misfits, deaf dogs, blind dogs, three-legged. I got my rosy two-legged dogs. I can be inspired by them. Just understand they're living in the moment of time. They're not thinking about the future. They just want to be loved and respected. Just love and respect and set boundaries. And that's what I want as a human. I want balance in my life. We're all going to hot yoga and we're doing all this crazy shit for balance. When you really start examining your dog, they can give you all of this balance in life. And just try, try to be more like a dog. Think of yourself living 18 inches off the ground without thumbs, uh, without the ability to stand erect. Yeah. So dogs have been this way for 500,000 years. They haven't evolved. So it's better for us to get in touch with our mammalian brain because we have one. 
but our neocortex grew on top of it. So we all have fight or flight, uh, predatory instincts, we'll kill each other, we'll cannibalize each other. That's all there, but we forget it. Our brain has taken us, a human brain has taken us so far away from our primal being. So that would be my advice. That's what I do. Because we evolved. We evolved, and the dogs haven't. And so, again, the brain is good, but it's also very toxic. Dogs don't do any of this shit. There's no Republican dogs. There's no Democratic dogs. There's no, there are border wall wars in dogs' lives, but that's just their territory. We have that. That's what, So we are primal beings, like dogs, mammalian brain, but we evolved. And physically and psychologically, as I said, we have thumbs. Dogs don't. Dogs can't jump up. They can't open. If they did, I'd argue they'd probably get up and move next door. Yeah. If they could open the front door. You know, whatever. I'm just saying. So people just chill the fuck out with their dog and understand it's a dog. And just sit back, have a beer, have a coffee, smoke a cigar, and just watch your dog breathing. Just watch him laying on the floor breathing and imagine where his mind is at. And then ring the doorbell and see how that gets him out of balance and wonder what's happening there. And you learn. I learned, truthfully, I learned some of my most important life lessons through watching packs of animals. And here at Houndstown, it's like a laboratory. We literally watch thousands and thousands of dogs every year, all shapes, sizes, deformities. We have blind, I have blind dogs that go through a pack, you wouldn't even know, you, I'd bet you money, you wouldn't even pr- pr- uh, be able to tell me which was the blind dog. And you'd argue with me, you'd say, Mike, you must see something. And I'd say, yeah, well, he has no eyeballs, let alone blind, he was born without eyeballs. And they interact in packs, it's, it's shocking to me. Wow. Right. So anyway, that's my take, that's my takeaway. So just leave leave your dog alone for at least an hour. Just, just, just let him be. Yeah. Then when you want, you need him or he needs you. Get down on the floor. Get some popcorn and love your dog. Scratch him in areas where he can't get scratched. I mean, you got to be you know reasonable with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, don't take that too far. But there's certain <laughs> parts of his body because they don't have thumbs, yeah. so they can't itch themselves everywhere. And when you find that spot, everybody knows, right? You rub yeah. your dog on the butt, and they, just, and they get all excited, yeah. right? Because they yeah. can't do that. We take that for granted. Oh wow. We take all this stuff that we do for granted and what dogs can't do, and we have what we call inattentional blindness. We live in a crazy world. We just had a fire alarm go up. Dogs don't know anything about fire alarms. They don't know about tile. They don't know anything. So we have to kind of explain to them in dog. That's my takeaway. That's insane. Well, Thank you so much for giving yeah, me great it's conversation. It's always a pleasure. You're a good guy, and funny tips. guy. Thanks, man. You're funny. Uh, well, oh, yeah. Come on. He <laughs> says that to everybody. <laughs> I, I watched his podcast. He's saying that to the same. Everybody, <laughs> every fucking person he said goodbye to, he said the same goddamn thing. <laughs> Oh, that's boy. Right, that's no. uh, you haven't seen one episode. Right, that's but. true. Liar. <laughs> yeah. right. I didn't see it, but yeah. I will be. I'm going to be a faithful uh, yeah, watcher. Yeah, you're going to be a listener because this listener. is going to be good. But, yeah, no, it's fun. But, you're a good yeah. guy, and I Thank love you. those conversations. I always have, you know, you. No, we have a good band. Good energy. Yeah, yeah, good energy. No, and, and, good and I'm sure you're you're going to teach a lot of people, and, let, and they're going to learn a lot of shit about what to do, what not to do, and then your stories in law enforcement are just fucking insane yeah. anyway. So that alone Thanks. is a good perspective. It's fun to go back in time and think these things. A lot of my prefer to block out, you know. Yeah, so, but, but it's uh, nice to, to it's rehash fine. Oh, them. yeah, yeah, definitely. You're, yeah, definitely. Awesome, good. Well, that concludes another episode of the E4 Explicit Podcast. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.